Hi everyone, welcome back to Blessed Is She That Believed, season one. We are on episode six, I believe. And I'm so glad that I am doing this. I'm actually going live from YouTube for the very first time. So this will be aired next week, um, next Monday, next Monday, April 10th. I'm doing it now because I'm going to drop some news on y'all. Shocker, right? <laughs> um, by the time y'all hear this, I will have already undergone surgery. I have surgery this coming Thursday, April 6th. And yeah, I'm a little nervous about it. Um, before we even get into that, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for everything that you are, every, everything that you're doing in our lives, Father. We may not understand it. But Father God, you said in Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for the good of those who are the call, who love God and are the called according to your purpose. Father God, we thank you right now that everything works out for our good. Even the bad things, the hard things, Lord, the challenging things, the things that we can't talk to anyone about. They all work together for our good because you don't waste any experience that we have in this life. Father God, we thank you right now for protecting us throughout this day, Father, allowing us to return home to our return to our home safely, Father. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I like I said, I was I am having surgery this Thursday. And I'm quite nervous now. Uh before when it was months out, you know, it was all right. But now that it's the week of, it's a little nerve wracking. So I want to start off with this poem because the poem is actually going to open up the conversation. I entitled this poem, Tired. Do you still want to have children? Silence. World stop. I look down at the promise that feels like it has tarried too long. Delay feels like denial, especially when delay was not on my timeline. You knew this would be the ordered steps for me. Anguish rises within. Is it sin to be mad with you for changing my story? Who gave you permission to take my pen? Oh, you have your own. My bad. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm done trying to believe. It will happen for me. Every time I pick up the broken pieces of hope the enemy has once again shattered, I look closer and realize that real enemy is me. The mind is the battlefield and my mind is defeating itself without doubt and with doubt and negativity. I'm tired. The energy used to hope is depleted. Please let's cast this burden at your feet and let me leave. I don't want to care anymore. Just let me be. I guess there will be no mini me's. There's no aisles to walk down with no handsome face staring back into my eyes. And my eyes are trying to focus, focusing on the face asking me, do you still want to have children? I lie. I reply, of course, with no evidence or flicker of hope. I say yes, even if my heart and mind scream no. I'm going to try and get through this without crying. Because, <laughs> and as soon as I say I'm going to try and get through this without crying, a tear as well up in my eyes. The thing is, I realized towards the end of last week, the enemy has been attacking my reproductive system ever since I was a little girl. When I was between the ages of six and eight years old, I was molested, for those of you who do not know. And it wasn't until last year I remembered, the Lord brought it back to my remembrance because your mind, our minds are so powerful. That's why I don't understand how people can't, they don't believe in God at all. Um, they, they want to credit the Darwin theory they want to credit evolution and I, I he's how how can you credit evolution with the, just look at your mind look at how your mind works there were things that I blocked out of my mind that I had no idea had transpi transpired until the Lord brought it back to my remembrance when before I was um molested my mom and I lived in Miami and I I was a tomboy okay I was a tomboy in today's standards they probably would have said I was a stud or something I don't know whatever they call it 
But I was a tomboy. I like playing with boys. I like playing with GI Joes, uh, Ninja Turtles. Were, that was oh my gosh! I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, but we didn't have a permanent residence when we lived in Miami for this short period of time. My mom's boyfriend at the time, he um, would have us crash at his friends' houses, whoever had extra bedrooms or whatever for us, that's where we would stay. And we weren't homeless necessarily, we just didn't have a permanent residence. So there you go. Um, this one place in particular, I still remember the yard because I played in the yard so much. I was out there playing in dirt and stuff. And there was a young boy that stayed across the street. He was about my age. And we always played with Ninja Turtles. We always played with whatever. We played with sticks. We played with dirt. We played with everything. And um, the Lord brought it back to my remembrance. I forgot all about this. I promise you, I forgot all about this. But the Lord brought it back to my remembrance. That's the first person who touched me inappropriately was that little boy. Mm-hmm. He did. And that was before I was molested. And like I told you, I was molested between the ages of six and eight years old. So that was before then. So I was probably five or six years old. Yeah. Because last year, the Lord took me on a whole little adventure of finding out what was in my bloodline. Finding out what, why is it that when I go on a date, it seems like I'm dating the same person over and over and over again. But in a different body. Why is this happening? What is going on? You know, so I, um, if you hear any TV, I have the TV on for my dog just to let y'all know because it's thundering outside and she's really scary. So I'm going to try and turn it down from my phone. <laughs> she's really scary. So I have to turn the TV up. For her so she won't get so so she won't hear the thunder okay sorry y'all um <laughs> anyway um yeah so then we moved back to Brunswick my mom never knew this like I said I forgot about this my mom and I moved back to Brunswick um I guess she broke up with her boyfriend whatever was going on I was a little kid and he ended up moving back up here with us and he started molesting me shortly after. I didn't tell my mom about that until I was about 22 years old, 21, 22 years old. And I didn't start going to therapy about that until I was 21. I'm not 21, 2021. That's when I started going to therapy, 2021. I decided, you know, it's time. I've written a book about this. Well, two or three books about this. I, you know, I talked to people about it. It's time. It's time to go get some inner work done. Yes, I, you know, I'm going, you know, gave it to the Lord in prayer. But um, I always suggest to people, listen, you need to get saved first and foremost. You need to be under the blood of Jesus. You need to um, get prayer and help from the members in the body of Christ first and foremost. Then you need to look for a Christian therapist, someone who believes in the power of prayer, someone who believes in praying to Jesus, Jesus, that's who they need to be praying to Jesus. And then you can see it like you see what's going on. You know, the, the funny thing to me is how the Lord orchestrated all of this. The Lord allowed me to take psychology developmental psychology as my last course in grad school i was working on my specialist degree i'm a teacher i'm working on my specialist degree as i'm working on my specialist degree that's my elective course that i chose the last class before i graduated so as a project we had to uh, find a theory that fit that we could um go through for ourselves and i chose erickson's um eight stages of man that I, I think Erickson was a believer because all of that came straight from the Bible. I don't care. It came from the Bible. Anyway, um, in the eight stages of man, he basically said, just to sum it all up, whatever stage the trauma occurred until you break the root of that, 
until you break that cycle, you're going to continue to repeat. You're going to continue to cycle through it. And was he ever right? He was so he was so accurate with that. And right as I'm going through this, I have a breakthrough moment. I'm sitting at my dining room table studying, studying, and I'm reading all of this. And the Lord showed me myself through his eyes. It brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because the Lord showed me what it was like to roll around in that sin like the mud a pig would go back to after you cleaned it all up like the bible says as a sow returns to its mire or whatever it's called the 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 mud that's what we are at like we go to the altar lord i'm sorry i'm, I'm sorry forgive me forgive me forgive me but then you go right back out there and I didn't even know why I was doing what I was doing. I didn't know why I kept sleeping with those guys. I knew they weren't, I knew they weren't gonna marry me. I knew it. But I kept trying to make it work. Like, why won't this work? Why won't this work? And I would, and it got to a point where I was like, I'm sick of doing this. I'm sick of getting my heart broken. I'm sick of doing this. I'm sick of you know giving my my pieces of my heart away to the wrong people, to the wrong men. Like, I don't want to do that. I I mean, I wasn't out, you know all willy-nilly or nothing but you know what i'm saying just getting caught up with the wrong type of guy thinking it's going to work and it's going to have a fairy tale in it i and the lord was like because you you weren't going to come out of that so this is the class so you can have an understanding of why and what was going on how that trauma affected you however i deliver you not therapy i deliver you and now that you have the understanding you have the knowledge and now you have the holy spirit you put those two things together you can't be stopped you only stop yourself and now that you know you have a very grave responsibility not to go back because if you go back it's going to be worse for you because the bible does say the latter will be worse than the beginning like you go back you're gonna die out there when i say i was shook to my core when you get out of sin when you is when you escape the sin when the lord finally breaks those chains off of you don't you go back don't you go back don't you go back don't you go back you're gonna die out there you're gonna either have a spiritual death or you're gonna die physically i'm so serious because i have seen it happen don't you go back mm -mm. don't go back don't go back to what he delivered you from don't do it the Bible says that every time we go back, every time we commit a sin, we're crucifying Christ afresh. We crucify him all over again every time we sin. Yes, we're human. Yes, we make mistakes. But should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans 6 and 1. God forbid. No. We don't just go, oh, I'm going to go ahead and... um get with this person or whatever i'm gonna go do this because i know i'm the lord gonna forgive me what if you die in it what if you die having sex and you know you weren't supposed to be that's a whole different conversation there so anyway the lord showed me that right the same way the lord showed me that i was right mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing to me how the Lord shows you something or he promised you something and here comes Satan right there. Something right there behind. And then two weeks after that, I'm at my high school graduation. Not high school graduation. Lord have mercy. I'm at my college graduation. Get ready to graduate with my third degree. And I get a call from my doctor's office. They tell me that I have precancerous cells on my uterus. And they needed to go in and do a procedure so this is also my first year teaching high school english by myself because i was a co-teacher because i was a sped teacher so i transitioned i went from sped um, special education to general education and this was my first year having a classroom on my own in high school and i got all of this going on and then a month after school starts um actually before school starts one of my friends at the time um she needed to stay with me because she had a whole domestic 
situation going on with her and her former fiance. Like it was, I I'm not about to, you know, go into that, but she had to come stay with me for a while. I was trying to put that off because I didn't want her to come stay with me because her fiance knew where I stayed. So I'm like, that's not good for him. <laughs> so she came to stay with me for about two weeks. And then after she left, then my mom had to come quarantine at my house because my stepfather got COVID. And then during that time, I got a dog. <laughs> I got a pit bull. And I didn't realize pit bulls have anxiety. So there's that. And then after that, I have the procedure or I had the procedure during that time period. Like it was like, boom, boom, boom. I didn't have a break. It was like one thing after another, after another. I never stopped to even process what was going on. And that the fact that I was raped, I didn't even have a, no, I just kept going, going, going. Um, so then I had this procedure and it, to be honest, it was more traumatizing to me than being raped because I passed out on the table. I thought I was dying. My doctor and his staff were awesome. They were phenomenal. It, but still remember, it's 2021, so everything is still high alert for COVID. Everybody has their mask on. I had my mask on. I couldn't take anyone with me um, because they only let one person in, and that was the person who was getting, you know, being seen by the doctor. So my mom couldn't go with me. No one could come with me. Um, I passed out on the table. I blacked out. No one knew I blacked out. I didn't even say anything. It took me a minute to come out of that. When I got home, my mom was already at my house because she wouldn't know how everything went. I couldn't even talk to her. I couldn't even explain to her what was going on. I, I just couldn't talk. I just kept crying and crying and crying. The next day I went to work. I went to work the next day. I just swallowed how I felt and went to work the next day. It wasn't until January of 2022 when my mom, she told me, she said, you're using language that, not expletives or anything, no curse words, but just negative words, negative talk, negative speech. She said, you're using a lot of negative language. You need to go talk to your therapist. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I explained to her what I felt like. I said, I feel like, I said, they didn't take anything out. All it did was get rid of those precancerous cells. And I feel like death. I feel like a graveyard. And she said, you know, she told me about my granny, her mom. She said her dad told her the same thing when she had a hysterectomy. He said, you're, you're nothing but a graveyard now. She said, so how is it that you would use that exact word? Because that's. A curse that was a generational curse that was a um you know like that's huh mm, how one person can say it two generations before you you have no clue and you use the same thing you doing the same things that's a cycle that's got to be broken that's a generational curse so all last year the lord took me through all of that I was making horrible decisions as far as who I was trusting last year and it didn't hit me until the end of last year towards the end of last year I was still in trauma mode in my head I was you know in trauma brain and what a lot of people don't realize is because when you go through trauma your mind takes big hits you don't realize how massive the hits are in your mind when you are going through trauma but our minds are very fragile that's why i couldn't remember what happened to me when i was a little kid in miami because what my brain did it took that memory and blocked it out it blocked out a lot of stuff like it's still parts of me being molested i can't rem i don't want to remember it anyway but I can't remember it because it's like my mind has shut that part off to protect me. And that's how powerful our brains are and how protective mode we go into. Some people may be angry. And I'm going to be honest, 
for years, I didn't want anybody to hug me. I didn't want anybody to touch me. I didn't know why. Cause I'm very like, I love giving hugs. I will hug everybody. I love hugging people. I love when, but it's when I initiate it. I didn't want people coming up and hugging me. I, I don't, I still like tense up a little bit when people come and hug me because of the trauma. I'm better now. I'm much better. Um, people always thought I had an attitude. <laughs> it's like, you don't know what I went through. <sighs> and I've been in church my whole life. I've been in church my whole life. I have, I love Jesus. <laughs> I love me some Jesus. And I'm in love with Jesus. He, hmm, he loved me before I even loved myself. <laughs> Try not to cry. Um, love me so much he died for me. And I know we hear that, especially now, um, especially with this week being Easter, which y'all will hear this next week. But it's true. If you were the only person in the world that needed to be saved, he would still die on the cross for you. He would still go to Calvary for you. He would. When I used to live in my parents' house and they would go out of town or something, I would be home by myself. I would, um, you know, I would be praying. I would pray. My prayers were always ending warfare prayers over my womb, praying over my children I hadn't even met, hadn't even had. <laughs> and I never understood why. Why do I end up praying like this over my womb? Why am I praying warfare prayers over my womb? Because the enemy has been attacking my womb since I was a little girl. I think when I was about 22, 23 years old, I could have been a little older, 24. It was during the Daniel fast. I wrote it down in my journal and I forgot to check check it before um, I got on. But... The Lord showed me my children. He first showed me my little girl when I was attending college here, when it was still a community college. It was eons ago. <laughs> he showed me my little girl. And it was really odd because it wasn't in a dream. I was staying up late studying for a biology test that I would later fail. I did not. <laughs> college biology is so hard. They put me in the science the special one, the advanced biology. Why would y'all do that? That was horrible. <laughs> um, I was up late. It was probably one, two o'clock in the morning. And I promise you, I will still tell you, I probably was hallucinating, but I know I, I know I couldn't be hallucinating. I was up late. My parents are already in bed. I was sitting at our um, breakfast bar thing in their house just studying like I'm I can't get this and I promise you I heard little feet walking through the kitchen and I saw little afro puffs well they weren't little they were huge and there's a little girl that looked like me she looked like me had a little Mickey Mouse pajama shirt on and she spoke to me she said mommy when are you coming to bed and I wasn't afraid or anything. And I said, come here. And she got on my lap. And I could feel the weight of her on my leg. I could feel the weight of her on my leg. And I said, I got to study for a test. And she said, oh, okay. And she sat there. And all I could see was hair because her hair was so big. And it was in my face. And she went to sleep. And it's like the next thing I knew, she wasn't there anymore. I ended up writing a poem about that experience and it was published in the magazine for that the uh, literary magazine that the college here has. <laughs> and 
the second time I saw my children, about 24, 25, 26 maybe, we were doing a Daniel Fast. This is the one we were doing a Daniel Fast. And it was almost like a montage. I can't explain it other than if you've seen A Different World, the opening credits, how they just how the scenes just move seamlessly into one from another. That's how it did. It was, in, But I was awake because I was writing in my journal on my bed. And I was awake, but I saw it. And it started with... I'll just tell you the beginning part. The beginning part, it was two little boys... And it was like, they, it was like we were, I was in my bed and I was pregnant. But the two boys came in laughing and giggling and they had giant heads. That's how I knew they were my children. <laughs> they had giant heads. And they were laughing and giggling. Pretty, pretty smiles. Beautiful smiles. Beautiful teeth. I have a thing with teeth. <laughs> beautiful teeth. And they were just laughing, laughing. Their skin complexion is about mine, probably about, you know, a little bit lighter maybe. And I said, man, they're close in age. They're really close in age. They must be like a year and a half apart, you know. Didn't realize they were twins until later. <laughs> it was confirmed later on um, last year, twins, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Yeah. It went on for a little bit longer. I was seeing different things. Not going to all of that. But I've seen my children. Over 10 years ago. It's been over 10 years. And. <laughs> that brings me to the Shunammite woman. Last week's episode. A dream deferred. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Because, see, when the Lord shows us stuff, Lord tells us things, promises. I don't know if it's me or if y'all have experienced it, but when he tells me something, I'm thinking it's going to happen in the next 30 seconds or less, or tomorrow at least, by the end of the week, you know, by at least by the end of the week, I'm going to see something. No, that's not how this works. Not how this works. This is not how the Lord works. <laughs> When I saw the babies, when I saw my babies, I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to get married soon because you can't have the kids without a man, you know? No, no, I st I'm still single. This right here, this is the keep the rug the rugrats way, the rodents way. <laughs> no, um, I broke my finger when I was in high school, so I can't wear this on my right finger anymore. So I wear it on my left. Um, you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this brings me to second Kings chapter four, verse eight. I'm gonna read a couple of verses. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she, she hath no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her and when he had called her she stood in the door and he said about this season according to the time of life thou shalt embrace a son and she said nay my lord thou man of god do not lie unto thy handmaid 
And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. That's verses 8 through 17. So, I studied this account, this biblical account. I don't like saying Bible story. No, it's not a story. This is a real life account for someone. I studied this extensively last summer because the Lord just kept showing stuff to me. But in the end, the Lord showed me, you are the Shunammite woman because you don't believe anything I say when it comes to children or a husband. And I was like, boom, you right, Lord. You absolutely right. Because I don't. I don't. And I have. But you know what? <sighs> you can't fight God and win. I'm going to tell you that right now. You can fight God, but you're not going to win. That's a guarantee. I guarantee you that. That's a guarantee. Like the big deuce and the um the big joke and the little joker. That's that's a guarantee. That big joke is a guarantee. You, you're not going to fight. You're not going to fight God and win. You can fight him, but you're not going to win. The Shunammite woman, it says where Elisha passed the Shunam where was a great woman. If you read the Amplified Version, you see that she was very prominent and influential in her community. Very prominent and influential. And she constrained him to eat bread. Constrained means like you ain't forcing them, but you being very like, insistent you keep persisting okay look you need to eat come eat come eat you look like you hungry come eat yeah what does that sound like to you a mother and see what the lord had to show me because let me let me read some more and so it was that as often as he passed by he turned in thither to eat bread he she didn't even have to do it she didn't even have to tell him to come eat anymore he just automatically knew let me go on to this lady house before she come out her house talking about i need to come eat i'm just going ahead and go to her house don't we do that with our mamas if you have children and it's and it's not even winter time let's say it's september what does your mama say if you have if you have small babies it's not winter. It's about September. Maybe October. You take your baby over to your mama's house. What's the what's one of the first things she's going to say? Where the baby socks at? Why the baby ain't got no jacket on? Why the baby don't have a hat on? What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because mothers are persistent. They do it like real nice though. You know, some of them don't care. Like my mom. But I ain't going to say nothing else about Regina. <laughs> some of them don't care. They just... What? I don't know why your mama don't put no hat on you. You're going to get sick. You little icicle. That's petty. You know, mamas do that. She probably said, you know, you're looking, you're looking a little thin over there. But it's okay. You'll be fine, I guess. Oh, let me go get some food from this lady house. Because she, Lord, why? But that's, they developed a relationship. You know, friendship. Obviously. They were comfortable with each other because she and her husband done made a bedroom for the men. She said unto her husband, behold, now I perceive. Perceive, to have perception means that you are able to discern. She discerned that this is a holy man of God, which always comes by, passes by our house. You discernment. You need to pray for discernment because the Bible even says that we have entertained angels unaware. That means... They are around us, obviously. And we've entertained. I know I entertain my angel all the time. He probably standing over there somewhere. I, I entertain him all the time. He probably sick of me too. I know he's sick. I They probably tag your it to each other. Like, I don't want to work with her. You know, like, I know I entertain my angel. He is thoroughly entertained. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to probably get hit upside the head when I get to heaven. He's sick of me. Sick of me. But that's okay. That's another story for later. But... To have discernment, you need to pray for discernment every single day you wake up. Pray for discernment. Say, Lord, give me 2020 vision in the spirit so I can see the things you need me to see, so I can hear your voice clearly and distinctly, so I can hear what you need me to hear in the spirit. Let me smell what I need to smell in the spirit because it has smelled, the spiritual world has smells too. Let me smell something when it's off. Whatever. Whatever your prayer needs to be, it needs, definitely needs to be praying for discernment. And verse 10, let us make a little chamber. 
you know, the 50th time I read this account last summer, because I had time, I was on summer break. The 50th time I read this account last summer, let us make a little chamber. I said, let us, let us. Where have I heard that? If you go back to Genesis chapter one, let us, let us make, um, or chapter one, chapter two, chapter, yeah, chapter one, chapter two. Let us make man in our image. Let us, let us. What, who is the let, who is the us and the let us? In Genesis chapter one, us represents God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Talking the three in one, the three for one. Okay. That's who the let us is. Let us make man in our own image. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't have time to delve into that a little bit deeper, but that's that's who the let us is in Genesis chapter one. Now I think if I remember correctly, because I don't have the notebook that I wrote all these notes down, it's I have like 15 notebooks in my house, y'all. Side note, because I have one or two or three in like every room in my house. So if I feel like writing, I could just grab one and I, I don't know which notebook I put those notes in. And I guarantee you it's not, no, it's not in this room. It's in the other room. Okay. <laughs> but if you turn a little bit further in Genesis, Genesis chapter nine or either chapter 11, you will see the Tower of Babel. That is where you get the foreign language company Babel from. Because Babel, if you look it up, it means um, language. Well, in the biblical account about the Tower of Babel, <sighs> mankind was in agreement with one another. And they decided one day, hey, let us make a tower that goes to heaven. I got to go to that scripture now. I got to go to it. Hold on one second. I wasn't going to go to it, but... Genesis 10. I think, is it Genesis 10? No, it was Genesis 11. I was right. Okay, so Genesis 11... Verses four, verse four, starting at verse four, Genesis 11, starting at verse four. And they said, go to let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men build it. Now, Lord in this instance is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital W, capital D. I'm about to say W, bless my heart. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, in that instance, is talking about Jesus. Jesus walks among, among us, okay? Jesus is, well, he walked He walked among us. He was sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now because y'all know the backdrop. Hopefully y'all do. Um, anyway, in the Old Testament, you will see instances of Jesus appearing. Jesus is throughout this entire whole Bible. He, Jesus didn't just show up out of the sky in Matthew. He's been... <laughs> In the, in the background the whole time. He comes as the angel of the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He comes as, like, even right here. And the Lord came down to see the city in the tower. Not God the Father. Because God the Father cannot be around sin. Period. It had to be Jesus. This is what we call a Christophany. So, Jesus came down. To see the city and the tower which the children of men build it. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. It may seem grammatically incorrect, but the Bible is the most per like it had I I think the Bible is the only book that has ever been written where all the grammar is correct. So we'll talk about that later. Anyway, uh the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to let us down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from the vents upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them from um, Get, scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth 
and I left off at verse nine. So from verse four to verse nine of Genesis 11. What does that mean? She said, let us make a little chamber. Let us means unity and agreement. They are married. She couldn't just go say, oh, I'm going to do this over here. No, she had to find, they had to be on one accord. When we are on one accord, miracles happen. You have to be on one accord first. You have to be on one accord in the spirit. You have to be on one accord with each other. That's why it says where two or more agree, there he will be in the midst. That's why that football player was healed. I don't know his name, but the Bible didn't say where two or more believers are then I'll be, he said, where two or more are gathered, these people who built, who are building this tower, they were not followers of God. They didn't believe in God. They were trying to make themselves God, but they were in agreement because where there's agreement, the Lord honors that. And that's why the Lord said, if they build, they, they are in agreement. And if they keep going, they will do exactly what they said they're going to do because they're in agreement. That's why the enemy sends so uh so uh seeds of discord. That's why that y'all I this whole thing right here, this whole thing right here is you gotta study it. Where there is unity, there is miracles. Where there are where there is unity, there are miracles. That's why Abraham and Sarah, when Sarah finally uh, um referred to Abraham as Lord, not in a domineering sense, not that she was his servant. But she respected and honored him in his place as her husband, as the leader of their household under Christ. Well, you know, God, you know what I mean. But she honored that. When she finally honored that and quit trying to take over and do things her way and make him do. That's why they got caught up with Hagar and Ishmael because of what Sarah was trying to put in place. When Sarah actually submitted herself to the will of God and got in line, they were on one accord. And that's how Isaac was born. They had unity. They were in agreement. When this Shunammite woman was already in agreement with her husband, let us make him a little chamber. I pray thee, if it's okay with you, but I perceive that this is a man of God and we need to take care of him. And he was in agreement with that. That's how this miracle occurred. If you are not in agreement with the Holy Spirit, there will be no miracles. God is not going to force us to believe him. He said it that settles it, period. Whether we believe it or not, the Lord is still going to do what he said he's going to do. That's why the Lord shut the mouth of Zechariah when he, or um, Zacchaeus, he shut the mouth of Zacchaeus, uh, John the Baptist's father, until John the Baptist was born because he was getting ready to curse his own blessing because he was not in agreement with it. How in the world can my wife get pregnant and I, that don't make no, not zip, you done. You on timeout, you're on mute. You're on mute. So as we go through, we see the, uh, the unity, the agreement is here at the beginning of verse 10 of second uh, Kings chapter four. Now let's look at more at the Shunammite woman. Let us set him there a bed in a table, in a stool, in a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. They're making him a room in their home. They made room for God in their home. You have to make room for God in your heart. When you make room for God in your heart, that's when things get done. You got to have agreement and you got to make room. You got to already anticipate the blessing you got to already anticipate the blessing when it's when you can't even see it. She was a mother before she knew she was a mother. She forcing this man to eat, which is what mothers do. They always want to make you eat. You eat something. Okay? Mothers do that. She was already doing that. Then she already she made room for him. They set up a bed, a table, and a stool and a candlestick so he could study and do his homework. He had a whole, it's a bedroom for a child. She already had it. A lot of you won't make room for the Lord in your heart. You won't make room. If you praying and believing for something, let me tell you something real quick. When I was living, I stayed in my parents' house until I was 35 years old. Y'all, 
Only God. Only God. Okay. I bought my home that I am sitting in right now in the middle of pandemic. 2020. The Lord opened a window for me to slide through and get this home. And I can't even go into the details of that because the way that happened, it was literally a window of time. It was a window of time. And after I bought my home, everything skyrocketed. Interest rates on homes skyrocketed. Literally the following week, interest rates on homes, boom, 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 everything. Everything went up. But while I was in the process, everything was low. It's like, you better hurry up and get this because I'm, I'm, it's about to shoot up, you know? And, but before I moved into the home, the Lord had already had me preparing to move. I could barely move around my bedroom and my parents' house, but everything was packed up in storage containers. <laughs> everything was packed up in storage containers. I had everything for every part. When we moved myself into this home, Everything was already here. Stuff for the kitchen. I had glasses people had bought me for Christmas. Christmases past. A oil pourer thing. I had everything I needed because the Lord had already started me. I need to pack this stuff. You know, I think I'm going to buy some storage containers to keep some of my clothes in there. Because I don't have no more room in my closet. And I keep giving stuff away. And it's like, it's still not enough room. I'm going to get some storage containers and put some of this stuff. I'm going to put all my jeans in the storage containers. We literally picked them storage containers up and put them in it. And they were, everything was already packed up to go. When you, <laughs> when you are praying for something, show the Lord you mean business and start preparing. You cannot ask God to send a harvest if you're not preparing your field for it. Prepare your field for harvest and then prepare for rain because it's going to rain on the harvest. It's going to rain because the harvest is going to need some water. Go ahead and pray for it. Go ahead and start moving like it's getting ready to rain. Go ahead. Get your fields ready. Get your fields. I'm so I'm so serious. She already had. She made room for God to work. She made room for God to work in her house. <laughs> she made room for God to work in her house. She was so busy trying to take care of what the Lord needed that she didn't even realize she was setting herself up for the Lord to move. Jesus. All right. So then it fell on the, uh, uh, on the day, verse 11, that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, called a Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, and he said unto him, say now to her. So this is Elijah speaking to his servant. So he's not even talking directly to her. I just realized that he's not even talking directly to her. Say now to her, behold, thou has been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? So how can we repay you for everything that you've done for us? You want to talk to the king? We can make that. I, she answered, I dwell among my own people. I don't need you to do that for me. It, basically, I don't need you to do that for me. You're doing too much now. You, you, I don't need you to do that. I'm good on my own. She was an influential woman. She was a great woman in her community. She probably knew the king herself. No, I'm good. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Like, he's perplexed. And Gehazi said, verily she has no child and her husband is old. Y'all. Her husband is old. She don't have a child. It said her husband is old. It didn't say she was. It just said her husband is old. Her husband represents her promise. Her husband represents the promise that of children. Now he's old. I still don't have a child. It wears him out when we're intimate. So I know he doesn't have the stamina. You know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just going to pour myself into my community. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to be the best woman of God I can be to others. I'll be a mother to other people's children. I will be the auntie to other people. I'll be the rich auntie. I will travel the world and I'll take care of those who need to be taken care of. It's okay. I'm fine. 
Yeah, I said that too. I said that too. I'll be fine. I don't need to have kids. I'm I'm a teacher. I'm around children all day. I don't need to have children. I get to work with these children every single day and they go home to their parents and I get to come home and I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean up stuff. My house is clean except for my dog. Like, she, but it's another story. But I don't need to do that. I'm fine where I am. I have learned to be content whether I am a based or bound, like Apostle Paul says. You know, like, I'm good. Nah, she wasn't good. She wasn't good. And I'm going to tell you how I know she wasn't good. Because verse 15, and he said, call her. And when, she, when he had called her, she stood in the door. Now that part right there, she stood in the door. Jesus is the door. Oh, I don't even have time to go into all that. But Jesus is the door, baby. Like he, I mean, he stands at the door and knocks. But he is the, I mean, let me just look, let me look that up. Cause I got to reference that now. Jesus is the door. Then in John chapter 10 and seven, then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. John 10 and nine, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I mean, he's the door. She stood in the door. She stood in the door, verse 15. She stood in the door. She stood in Christ. Mm. And having done all, stand. Ain't that something? Stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians that you see today, you shall see no more forever. Whew. Verse 16. And he said about this season, according to the time of life, you shall embrace the son. And she said, no, my Lord, you man of God, do not lie to me. I said that to somebody last year. Somebody spoke to me about the children I was, I, not I was, the children I am going to have spoke to me about the husband that I still don't see. And I said, I got so agitated. I was so mad. That messed me up for like a couple, that messed me up for about a week. I was so agitated. Wanna know why? Because like the Shunammite woman, I gave up on the promise. I gave up on the promise because it's I, I told you at the beginning, it's been over 10 years since the Lord showed me my children. But you know, a lot of times the Lord shows us the promises so that way when we go through the stuff that we gotta go through, we still hold on to that promise. And I didn't hold on to the promise, I gave up on it. She gave up on the promise too. Her husband, oh, her husband represents the promise that of children, the promise of life again through her children. Her husband represented that, but now it's old, it's stale. It doesn't make sense anymore. How can that fit into the life that I built for myself? It can't, it's impossible. But how many of you know that God works with the impossible? That's what he does best. It may be impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. Mm. I'm speaking to myself because this ministered to me and gave me hope and it restarted my faith in this area of my life. I have so much faith in all the other areas of my life, my finances, my health, my, my career, everything. But when it came to this, this right here, was the scar this right here was was the the injury that i kept trying to shield from being from being fixed i didn't want anybody to touch this area as long as nobody talks about it we're fine as long as nobody looks at it it's fine i'm fine i don't have a boyfriend i'm not even dating anybody nobody's even looking at me so i know children can't come from a ghost Children can't come. I mean, Mary already did immaculate conception. That's a one and done thing right there. My name isn't even Mary. It's Stephanie. So how do you take something that seems dead, something that has no chance of ever happening? How do you take that and then get a child from that? 
How do you birth that out? How? Because someone comes along and speaks the word of God to it and gives it the rain that it needs to grow. It was dried up and shriveled. But today, today, on April the 3rd, 2023, I'm speaking that word over anybody who listens to this, anybody who watches this YouTube stream. God is going to do something amazing and he's going to restore that dream that you thought was dead. He's going to restore it because he said that he can do all things. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He can do abundantly above all we can ask or think. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. He can. He's never lost the battle. And he never will. Ever. And I've seen it. I've seen it. Even in this area. Towards the end of 2022, he started speaking to me about my children. He started speaking to me about my husband. He started speaking life into me. And I was like, it scared the mess out of me. I was like, oh, oh this is too much. No, it's an overload. He said, get ready. He said, get ready because when it happens, it's coming fast. And I'm sitting here like, but how am I supposed to get ready? What am I doing? I don't even know where I'm going. What am I supposed to do? And you know what? I'm going to keep doing what I was do The last thing he said to do, that's what I'm going to keep doing. Because a lot of times we don't see what the Lord has promised us because we're trying to do and move and shift and work things that he didn't tell us to, to do except for go back and do the last thing I told you to do. David was anointed to be king while the king was still on the throne. Guess what David did? David went back to the to the field and worked with them sheep until he was called. Go back and do the last thing the Lord told you to do until you're called. When you're called, that's when you move up. Until you are fetched to sit where you're supposed to sit, where the Lord told you you were going to be, go back and do what he told you to do. Go back. We don't know how long David was in the field until he got called to go take lunch to his brothers. But we know he went back to that field and kept working. Go back and do the last thing the Lord told you to do. Be obedient. That's what I had to learn. I kept trying to move things. Well, maybe he meant doing this. Maybe he meant doing that. No, he didn't tell me all that. He gives things to you in little steps because he knows how he know how I am. Because with the little thing that he gave me, I'm trying to work it and do he didn't tell me to do all that he didn't he didn't tell me to do all that and at the end the shunammite woman because she was in agreement with god and her husband because she made room for god to work you have to be in agreement and you got to make room for god to work you got to you got to trust that god is going to do it when you do those two things, you're going to see some stuff pop off. You, you're going to see it pop off. I don't know how the Lord is going to birth these babies out that I saw. Because I saw a couple of them and I'm a little scared for my hips and my back. But hey, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. I ain't even, ain't no man texting me. My phone dry as the Sahara Desert. I don't know how he going to do it. But that ain't none of my doggone business. My business is to continue doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Being obedient trusting him every step of the way and he gonna take care of the rest i he gonna take care of the rest even though the doctor said we might have to take one of your ovaries okay i don't know how god gonna do it but he gonna do it with one ovary boom because that was the diagnosis i got yeah we're gonna have to take we're gonna have to take one we might have to take one of your ovaries we won't know until we get in there okay god got it god got it and to be honest, let me tell you here, be careful what you pray because for the past two or three months, I've been praying for God's glory to be revealed in me. I said, oh, so this is how we doing it. I pray for the Lord's glory to be revealed in me, through me, and let his glory rest on me, let his anointing rest on me. Now, this? Okay. All right. So... 
I'm just saying, be careful what you pray. Because in order for God's anointing to be on you, not just in you, to be on you, there's got to be a crushing. How is his anointing supposed to flow through you, on you, in you, if there's no crushing? If you don't go through something. How? So that's that's all I have. That's all I have. Um, that's it. That's all I have for today. That's it. I pray that this has been a blessing for someone. If you're going through anything, if you have gone through anything, I highly suggest you pray. You seek out someone trusted in the body of Christ and you go to a therapist. That's You go to a Christian therapist, someone who believes in Jesus. Go to that person. My therapist is phenomenal. She's an amazing woman of God. I love her and she she holds no bars, nothing. She don't bite a tongue. She uses the word of God and we get we get stuff worked out. I pray that you all receive this and just know trust that God has it all under control. God has it all under control. He takes those horrible times in your life and he makes he gives you beauty for ashes. In order to give you beauty for ashes, there's got to be an exchange. If you hold on to the ashes, you can't get the beauty. It's got, it has to be an exchange. There has to be an exchange. In order to receive the beauty, you have to give him the ashes. It says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And he does. He loves you so much. You may sit there and go, well, if he loved me, why did he let me go through? No, 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 no. Don't put God in that category. Remember, you have an adversary. A lot of times the enemy comes to us when we're children to try to kill the promise that he he knows God has over our lives. I don't know what kind of babies going to be coming out of my womb, but I know they're going to kick down the kingdom of hell. They are. Them babies, going they going to drag every demon by their throat. They are. Because the enemy has been fighting my womb since the day I was born. He has been fighting my womb since the day I was born. But my babies are going to be some mighty men and women of God. I promise you that in the name of Jesus. And I come against every witch and warlock curse and prayer that may be trying to speak against that the devil is a liar. Go, That's going back to the pit of hell right now in the name of Jesus. All of that. So you got to pray like that. It's warfare. You got to pray like that because I'm not about to let the enemy take my family and I ain't even got to meet them yet. Ain't no way. The devil's a lie. No. No. Ain't playing that game. So you got to get in your word. Get in your word so you can start speaking like that over your life. Speak like that over every situation that you have. Speak like that over your family, over your finances, over your job situation. You have to speak the word of God if you want to see the results. Stop speaking negative stuff. Stop cursing your life. Because when you say, well, I ain't doing that, that's you, you cursing your life. Stop it. A lot of times it's us. It ain't even got to be the enemy. The enemy is not even omniscient, um, omnipotent. He He's not even... He's not even all over the place. He sends his little minions out to do all of that. And you sitting here helping them with the words that you speak. Y'all, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Once you get to grasp the grasp of that, I bet your language will start changing. But the only way your language is going to start changing is if you start filling up on the word of God. Life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It says, Jesus used the parable of the sower. He was sowing seed. Seed fought, fell on hard ground, fell on thorny ground, stony ground, whatever kind of ground that wasn't good ground, the seed fell there. The thorns choked it. The weeds choked it. The sun killed the seed. You know what the seed was? The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And the ground is the condition of your heart. Y'all, we got to do better, especially if we're believers and we're members of the body of Christ, because don't nobody want to follow no Christian who speak negative all the time. Stop it. You are doing us and yourself a disservice. You cannot represent Christ like that. And it's okay if you didn't know, because, you know, I live like that. I spoke a lot of negative stuff. I was very negative talker. Now I'm conscientious of it. I'm more cognizant of it. And I do my best not to speak negative over my life because of the trauma that I went through. 
So I just spoke death, death, death because that was what was on the inside of me. But once I started putting the life and the word of God on the inside of me, I speak life where I go. I'm the lender and not the borrower. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only not belief. I'm a peculiar treasure. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the righteousness of God, of Christ Jesus. That's who I am. I endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I speak the word over my life to the point where it's like, dog, I can't stop. It's just coming out, coming out like rivers of living water. It's alive. The word is alive. Speak over your life, y'all. Speak over your life. Speak over your life. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father God, protect the word that has gone forth. Father God, I ask right now that you just secure it. You seal it up. Father God, bind it in our hearts and our minds. Father, I thank you that you allow everyone who listens to this, wherever they are in the world, to rest peacefully tonight lord give us sweet sleep father god allow us to dream the dreams that you want us to dream father god father god i just thank you right now for every hedge of protection that you have placed around us and in the mighty name of jesus we pray amen thank you so much for tuning in um like i said by the time y'all hear this i'm going to be recovering from surgery so i'm going to try and do audio podcast um this week before my surgery so that way they'll be set to drop for the following weeks to come okay so i hope y'all have a great evening or a great um day wherever you are and i will see y'all later